0: If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5 and verse 12. Our our entire lesson is going to be on one verse this morning. I'm going to read the verse and then I'll dive into uh, the lesson itself. He says, above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth, or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. We're getting toward the end of the book of James, and remember when we started off, we talked about the wisdom of a practical Christian life rooted in Christian experience and the wisdom God gives us when we pray. James is concerned about what he calls true an undefiled religion. And when you read through the book of James, it is clear he's talking about a way of life. It's not just religious activity you perform. There are a lot of people that think of their religion only in terms of checking off the list. I'm, prom- I'm performing certain activities. I've done my duty. That's my religion. All I can say to that is a great big. Disheartening, pitiful. No, <laughs> that is not why Jesus came to earth and died on the cross. I can perform a checklist without Jesus, I can't live without Jesus. And my faith and my religion is a way of life, not a checklist. And I think for a number of years in my younger years, I sort of leaned toward making sure I had the right checklist done. Well, and what we're going to see is James is going to challenge that idea. And today he's going to challenge it in our lesson, showing how countercultural the Christian life really is. It is a wise, practical, God-honoring way of life. And when I look back through the book of James itself, I'm amazed at how a lot of what he says goes not only against conventional wisdom, but also against human tendency. Now, we saw this this morning in our Bible class in Second Corinthians. I'm just amazed how Scripture, and I see this all the time in the ministry of Jesus, he's going to challenge what comes natural as human beings. I'll just give you one example. When I say this, you know, when Jesus says, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, what are you supposed to do? Is that the natural thing to do? <laughs> what, what's the natural thing to do? Hey, buddy, show me your right cheek. I'm open you have it. Well, all of the New Testament, and, and we need to hear this, all of the New Testament challenges human nature. Jesus Christ came to show us there is a different way to live. Now, I'm saying all that's because I'm setting up the lesson, you know. Notice that in our lesson, he says, do not swear. Now, this is another of the warnings in the book of James that are kind of on the negative side. In other words, here are some things I don't want you to do, okay? And he's not talking about cursing or anything profane or ugly or naughty words. Or you've heard people use the expression, uh, cussing like a sailor. Well, he's not talking about that. He's talking about the kind of swearing that uses an oath. And and this is what we're going to talk about. This is why I entitled the lesson. I don't know if you caught this in the newsletter. Did you see how I entitled today's lesson? Swearing on my mother's grave. (laughs) I've heard people say that not only in the movie, but I heard someone say that once to me. Or you've heard people say things like swearing on a stack of Bibles, okay? James is talking specifically about our speech related to this particular issue. And so the lesson today is going to hone in on this issue. It's not one I've ever preached on before. <laughs> I've not preached on James 5.12 before. I look back through all my records of preaching and things I've thought about and thought. I've not. And this verse uh, challenged me this week. And I'm going to share with you the challenge I got. And it's not necessarily that you have to agree with me. But I want us to see if we can hear what James is challenging us with. Okay? Uh, the, The King James Version, the English Standard Version, the American Standard Version, the Revised Standard Version starts this verse with the word but. And, and and the NIV leaves the word but off. And I was like, what? And it's there. It needs to be there. The verse starts off, but above all. So if you check the other English translation. And the reason that's important is because it's connecting this sentence with the previous uh, little paragraph. And we'll talk about that connection. He's going to start off by saying, but above all. Notice he doesn't say, as Paul sometimes will say in his letters. Now, last of all, I want to mention this. No, here he says above all. And First Peter once uses this phrase, above all. And it's kind of like uh, he's saying, okay, i said a lot of stuff in the letter here, but more than anything, I want you to hear this. Above all. And I'm like, I wonder what was going on, for him to say, this is kind of like above everything I've said, above all this. And I suspect that this was a huge problem in the congregation. Okay? (coughs) He says, above all my brothers. It's a term of endearment that includes both brothers and sisters in Christ. James, you can tell, cares deeply about members of this congregation and we believe that the book of james is most likely the earliest letter in the new testament almost every bible scholar you read will say that and there because the way it's worded and it refers to stuff in palestine and remember it's the only time in the new testament where the word synagogue is used uh, to talk about a christian assembly so we feel like it was a real early A Jewish Christian congregation, okay. But James is writing because in that congregation there are lots of things that need to be attended to, so that in their life they can reflect Jesus. And so what he's talking about today is pretty clear that the issue he's addressing, they're not honoring Jesus. So swearing or making and using an oath by appealing to things so that people can believe what you're saying is true. It was so bad in Jesus' day that we know the group called the Essenes, and if you've read maybe in a Bible dictionary, maybe sometimes you can study Bible will have a footnote on this, during the time of Jesus, there was a group of Jews that thought, and this was interesting because I've already used the phrase, they thought all of Judaism was going to hell in a handbasket. So there was a group of Jews that as a group went down by the Dead Sea, and they were called the Essenes, and they built a Qumran community there. And it's interesting because today, if you go over to that part uh, of of the world and you're at the Dead Sea, you can see the caves and and everything that the Qumran community used. And, And there's even places where archeologists have uncovered down by the Dead Sea where it looks like there were two things that went on that the Essenes did. They copied scripture, lots of scripture, and they had places where it looks like they used it for baptism. So the Essenes were practicing some form of baptism. But they were a group that was so fed up with Jewish practices, they went over here down to the Dead Sea and said, okay, we got to start over. One of the things that we have found, uh, I said we, but uh, historians have found some ancient documents that they actually wrote. One of the things that they prohibited, they said, okay, Under no circumstances, no oath-taking or no oath-swearing. I mean, it was out for them. And and we get the impression, because the way James is approaching this and what evidence we have from the Qumran community, the culture back then, everybody did this everywhere. Now, I'll give you another expression that I hear a lot. It's just kind of in our own culture. Somebody will say, by God, I'm going to do this. Well, that's a type of oath-swearing. Uh, now that's not the same thing as people's reaction when they say, "Oh my God, OMG, this is Another. I mean, it's just across our culture, unfortunately. But this is a little different. It has to do with invoking <laughs> God's name or other things. Well, look at this: other things, so that people will believe what you say is true. I mean, that, that's why they do it. Okay. So, swearing and making an oath by appealing to other things was ruled out even by the Qumran community. Jesus dealt with this whole issue. And some people think that before James wrote chapter five, verse 12, he must have read out of Matthew this passage. This is Matthew chapter five, verses 33 through 35. So listen to the words of Jesus on this topic. He says, again, you heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Well, if you look all through the Old Testament, people made vows and promises to the Lord. But then it kind of morphed out of that into this other practice. He says, But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven. And apparently, people were saying, Okay, I swear by heaven. He said, you don't do that because that's God where God's throne is. Or by earth, well, don't do it there. Don't use that because guess what? The earth is God's footstool. Or by Jerusalem, well, you can't say I swear by Jerusalem. Why? Because it's the city of the great king. So it, it's interesting how Jesus will undercut what sounds like these very common practices during his day when people would swear and take notes. Don't swear by your head. I mean, where people say, well, I swear by my head. (laughs) I guess that's sort of a Middle Eastern thing. But I swear by my head. Well, no, don't swear by your head. Because you can't even make one hair white or black. Interesting how Jesus approaches that. All you need to say, and and this this is exactly what James says, but Jesus says this. All you need to say is simply yes or no. He doesn't stop there because he has an extra comment that James also has an extra comment at the end. We have to put the two together. Guess how Jesus ends this conversation? Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Really? Really? Yeah? Whoa. I never heard that teaching growing up. You mean if I swear by something? that comes from the evil one? I want to leave that question hanging because we're going to come back to it. Really? This section of the Sermon on the Mount is where Jesus deals with, and, and you probably know this when you think about the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, now you've heard that it's been said, but I say to you. And what he's doing is, he is challenging current practices of basic. Uh, biblical principles and teaching from the Old Testament, but they had gotten over time uh, sort of changed and by the time Jesus' ministry, the emphasis wasn't really what it was supposed to be from the beginning. So he goes back and he said, you've heard that it's said but I say to you. Uh, there was no rabbi in the first century that would say that. No. What they would say is, now you've heard that it's been said from the past and you know what? That's what you need to do. No, Jesus challenged that from the very core. You've heard this been said in the past, but I say to you, with his divine authority from God, he challenges these current practices. He reinterprets the present practices and takes them back to God's original intent. People long ago, that's an interesting phrase. But long-standing traditional practice that got to the point where it actually canceled out what God was looking for. Jesus challenges this practice. He tells them not to swear at all. So when we go back and we look at how James is appropriating this, he's going to talk about, and he's bringing it together because he is concerned about our Christian character, our Christian witness and how all of that blends together notice again it is a negative command do not swear at all there are lines in the christian life that god has drawn a line in the sand that we don't cross if jesus and james says don't swear at all i'm going to take their word for it god's drawn a line okay and i need to be aware of that line Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by earth. uh, James even says, and Jesus says, don't swear by anything else. Don't swear by God. Don't swear on your mother's grave. Don't swear on a stack of Bibles. Don't do it. what he says, okay? Now, when we read into this text that James wrote, we feel like he was going to finish it with something like this. Don't swear by earth. Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by anything else. And you don't swear by anything and you don't swear anywhere, and you don't swear under any circumstances, don't do it. <laughs> I mean, it comes across, the language he uses is real strong. It's very pointed. Don't do it. Okay? Now, where this has been a cultural issue for Christians for centuries has been the huge question of taking an oath in the court That's the big one. I want to address it a little bit. You don't have to end up, or I think I ended up on this, but what you think about it. Many Christians have felt that challenge, and even to the point that it's wrong, if you go into the courtroom and you say, I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And they've got their hand on the Bible when they do it. Okay? Though it may seem to our judicial system and culture at large to be a ridiculous issue, I believe that our court system that I've been a little bit reading, I made allowance for Christians when they come into the court if that, that is a um, significantly held belief tenet that you have. Over the years, I found myself downplaying perhaps this verse because I thought, well, you know, you have to do it in court, so it's not really that big of an issue. But, but, but I've been forced, I think, this week to rethink some of this. And I want you to rethink a little bit of it with me. Notice how James ends with a qualifying phrase otherwise you'll be condemned i thought oh well now condemned by whom and for what that's my question okay now if you think about it uh he's not talking about the court condemning you because the court usually takes the opposite view they would sort of condemn you if you don't (laughs) so so and and We'll look at that answer in just a moment. But Jesus, as we said, says anything other than this comes from the evil one. Could it be that the warning here is not to swear with an oath? It's much more important and it carries more weight with God than we have imagined. Is it possible then to approach this verse in such a way that it honors God and we're not legalistic with it to the point where, okay, if, if you don't, I caught you swearing with an oath, so okay, I'm not fellowship you anymore. Do we do we get like that with it? And does it not put us if we're careful in a judgmental mode toward others? But to highlight what James is really after, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I once heard a person say about another person, you can count on what that person says because of who they are. Their word is as good as gold. That's what James is after, that our word is as good as gold. The idea and the sentiment that James is after is that our Christian character and our reputation for keeping our word makes it unnecessary to shore up our communication with some kind of old thinking so that we think our words are stronger and more believable and I'm really telling the truth. I mentioned I've, I've heard through the years, and I would cringe when I'd hear people say, Well, I swear to a stack of Bibles. Well, how many is in the stack? How many do you need? <laughs> I mean, that's one funny question. Why is it the stack of Bible? Did one not do it? <laughs> I mean, it just blew my mind. Okay, here's what I think James is saying. Well, he's not saying, as I mentioned, that the court will judge us. I don't think he's referring to the judgment day itself. But I want to offer this because I I think this is what's going on. James is saying that if we have to refer to swearing by an oath for someone to believe our word, God has already judged our character and reputation to be in such sad condition that we think as one of His children, we have to resort to that. Here's what Eugene Peterson in the message, if you've ever read the message. Here's how he paraphrases this verse. And I want to share it with you. And, and I want to offer a little bit of a different take on it, because I think in two places he missed it. But, but listen to his paraphrase. And since you know that he cares, talking about God, let your language show it. Don't add words like, I swear to God, to your own words. Don't show your impatience by concocting oaths to hurry up God. Just say yes or no. Just say what is true. That way your language can't be used against you. Well, I don't think he's talking about impatience, impatience. I don't think he's just talking about your words being used against you. Here's my take on it. And, and you can have your own take on it. And since you know that God cares about you, that's the bug. Remember I said the verse starts off with the bug. It connects up to the next previous section where we learned about God's compassion and mercy. Since you know that God cares about you more than anything else, let your language show it. Don't add words like, I swear to God, or I swear over my mother's grave, or I swear on a stack of Bibles. Don't show your lack of Christian character by concocting oaths to make people think that God is on your side. It's not about being impatient. It's about whether or not you're you're bringing God alongside you with an oath that, that you're kind of bringing along so people will think you're serious enough in what you're saying. No matter what you say. So just say yes or no. Just say what's true. That way your language will be clear, acceptable, and it'll be congruent with your character. No one can accuse you of lying and trying to get God on your side to make it believable. Otherwise, God is going to judge that your life and your language don't matter. This betrays the fact that you're not living out a true and undefiled religion. I think this is exactly what he's after. Now, to be finished, I suppose, if I'm ever in court, I might want to ask the judge if I could say something like this. Based on my Christian character and my ethical standards, I promise to tell the truth. I don't know if the court would accept that or not, but it was fascinating for me to wrestle with this this week. And I hope it's caused you to think about it here's the sad thing and you know this as soon as i say this you're going to hear people starting tomorrow everywhere you go they're going to be taking they're going to be using o's uh to make sure that you that you can believe what they're saying is true it may not you may not hear it every day but you're going to hear in a conversation somewhere somebody's going to use an o to make sure that you believe what they're saying is right well that person have the kind of Christian character they need, or, or should have, they're not going to need to say that. You know, I'm, I'm at the point where when I hear people say I'm like, okay, I wonder why they feel the need to add that on. Why can't they just say yes to no? me? That's what James is saying. It sounds simple, but boy, is it powerful. If we live in such a way that our words are as good as gold, it, it's a lot better than that for the Christian witness. What a challenging, challenging lesson for me to think through. And I want you to leave James 5.12 with you. Now here's how I want to end. I want to end again to start reading the Bible verse. Above all, but above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, You'll be familiar.